Here is my prayer for the day. And every Sunday, I just don't want you to be encouraged when you come to church. I believe you're going to be encouraged, but that's, I just don't want you just to be encouraged. Each week, I, I just don't want you to get some more information. I, I just don't want you to come and say, man, I, I've got a couple new pieces of information that I learned today. My prayer is that every week when you walk out of this room, God is transforming you. I just don't want to encourage you for a little bit, us laugh and carry on and pat each other on the back and have a good time and walk out the door. We just don't want to get information to become a spiritual smart aleck. I I struggle with spiritual smart alecks. You know, they learn a lot of information, have a lot of knowledge, but there's not a lot of transformation in their life. So my prayer is that each week your life is going to be transformed uh, by the renewing of God's Word. Well, you know what? With our four children, Amy and I would always do something. If Amy and I were in a conversation with, with an adult, we were talking with somebody, and our children wanted our attention. Uh, first of all, I, I, it is always annoying, aren't you, when, when you get interrupted in a conversation. And we taught our children, when we are in a conversation with an adult, do not interrupt us. Let the adults keep talking. So we taught our children, when we're in a conversation with an adult and you need us, what we want you to do, we want you to come and take your hand and just put it on our arm. Just take your hand and put it on our arm. And what we'll do during that conversation, we will take our hand and we'll put it right on top of your hand. We will acknowledge that you need our attention. We don't want you interrupting us. So if you need something, come and put your hand right here on our arm. We'll put our hand on you and we'll acknowledge in just a moment. Give us a moment and we'll say, you know what? My, my son or my daughter, they need to ask me a quick question. Can you just hold on just a moment? So we can pause that conversation and, and they can ask their question and we can get back in that conversation. But there are times with our children, you know, they're the come to Jesus moments. Have you ever had to have a come to Jesus moment with one of your children, your grandchildren? I mean, that niece or that nephew. And in our home, Brother Bob, when we're going to have a come to Jesus moment, when we're about to have a serious, serious conversation, especially when our children were small, what I would do, I would take out my hand, I would put up my pointer finger. And here's what they would do. They would reach out their hand, and they would grab our finger. I mean, we are almost eyeball to eyeball, almost nose to nose, because we got a serious conversation. You are not allowed to let go of my finger until this conversation's over. I don't want your mind wandering that way. I don't want your mind wandering that way. I want you right here. And as a matter of fact, the reason why I got it on my knee, because we would get down right on their level. It's not like I'm speaking down to you. 
I want right on their level, so I mean we are eyeball to eyeball, and I know what they just ate for lunch. I mean, we're going to have it up close. And they'd hold our finger and not waver away. Here's what I want you to picture today. I want you to picture as Jesus Christ comes in this room and Jesus sits right down in front of you, puts his finger out, and right now spiritually you come and place your hands around Jesus' fingers. I'm listening. I'm not going to start wondering about Florida State getting beat last night. I'm not going to start thinking about what I'm about to have for lunch. Here's the reason why. I want everybody right here. We are about to have a very serious conversation. We are going to interact with God's Word. And in this scripture we're about to read... It is a very serious moment. And the seriousness of this moment for everybody in this room that is a Christ follower, you will not be able to avoid this moment. This moment that we are about to read about, this truth of God's Word, this moment is going to happen in your life. And I want you to see the seriousness of this moment because my heart's desire, my prayer is that when this moment happens, that you are ready for this moment. When this moment happens, I don't want you to stand there just as an axe handle. I want you to stand there as an axe head. I, I don't want you to stand there and, and all the things, but God, I, I tried to accomplish this. I did this and I did that. I want you to stand before God one day and realize what God did in his power through you. Too many Christians across our nation and in our church are trying to be an axe handle. Have you ever tried to cut a tree down with an axe handle? Have you ever stood there with an axe handle and say, I've got to knock this tree down, and you start swinging this axe handle with all your might, you might chip a little bit of bark off. And we're wondering why in the church of America, we are not, we are not knocking down the force, we're just chipping a little bark off. Why is the American church, where are we? What are we doing? I told Wednesday night crowd, I was told this week that Daytona, Orlando area is the eighth most lost 
area in the United States of America. Listen to me. There's 340 million people that live in the United States of America. And God has placed us for such a time as this in the eighth most lost community in the United States of America. And we don't need an axe handle chipping a little bar. We need the axe head plowing down the force for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you. How's that happen? Brokenness. Why should we live a life of brokenness? Turn with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's begin in verse number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse number 9. Serious conversation. This is not about playing tiddlywinks. And as we get started in this text of Scripture, do we believe God's Word is the inerrant Word of God? Yes or no? Yes. We believe all Scripture is given by God. It is all God breathe. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. We're going to read this scripture. Because I don't want us to be an axe handle. Chip and bark. When God wants us to be taken the forest. Dear Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that your word, it is true, it is right, it is trustworthy, that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword, and Lord, that when you speak your word, what you say will happen. God, I pray over this room that, Lord God, I pray that we will get the seriousness of the text of this Scripture. Lord, I pray none of us are going to give it a stiff arm today. I pray that none of us will push back your holy word. But, God, I pray that we will embrace this word. God, we are going to stand before you one day to give an answer. And Lord, we want to make it our aim this day to be pleasing to you. In Christ's name, amen. Verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim. Therefore, we make it our aim. Goal. Therefore, we are laser focused in. Therefore, this is what I am moving towards. Therefore, this is my aim. 
I mean, this is my aim. I get up in the morning and I'm focused this way. When I'm eating my breakfast, I'm focused this way. When I'm going to work, I'm focused this way. When I'm hanging out with my grandchildren, I focus this way. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, What's the seriousness of this moment? What should be our aim, First Baptist? What does it tell us at the end of this verse in verse number nine? What should be our aim? Our aim should be to be what? Well-pleasing. Well-pleasing to the crowd. Well-pleasing to public opinion. Well-pleasing and our bank accounts, well-pleasing in these things, who are we supposed to be well-pleasing to? Him. Well-pleasing to Him? Are we just going to be the axe handle? An axe handle that is wants to be well-pleasing in themselves. An axe handle that is about their education. It's about their goals. It's about their desire. Or we're going to be about the axe head and we're going to say, my life's goal, my aim is to be pleasing to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and say, it doesn't matter who I displease as long as I please God. That's serious. This is a serious moment. This is not a basketball game. This is not trying to be the best salesman. This is talking about your eternity. This is my aim, that I want to be well-pleasing. Hey, First Baptist, do we want to be well-pleasing to the Lord? Yeah. Why is that the case? Look at verse number 10. Mm. Write this down. Number one, here's the fact. Write this down. Number one, here is the fact. Verse 10. For we must all. Somebody, will you define the word all? What does, y'all can talk back to me, it's all right. How, how would you define the word all? All right, does that include you? All, every single person that has a new creation that is in Jesus Christ, all. Everybody, there is no escape. You can't go down the next aisle and miss it. All of y'all been in the mall. All of you been at the grocery store and you saw the person, you turn down that aisle and you need something down that aisle, but you see somebody down at the end you don't want to talk to. So you take your little buggy, you back up and say, I will get that later. I'm going to go down a different aisle. Hey, college students, there's not another aisle that you can go down. 
Verse number 10, you cannot go around it. Look what it says in verse 10. For we must all appear. That word appear is we must all be displayed. That each and every one of us, every one of us, we must appear. We must be displayed. Where are we going to appear before? Oh, let's look at it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So let me ask you, my church family, are you and I going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Let me ask you again. Are you going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? So why do we want to be an axe handle standing before the judgment seat of Christ? Why do we want to stand before him and say, you know what? I was all about me. I was all about what I could do. Instead of saying, Jesus, I just surrendered my life and my life belongs to you. I no longer live, but it's you. Jesus, my life is yours. Why do we want to be an axe handle? Chipping a little bark away. When we can have an axe head. Look what it says. For we must all appear the judgment seat of Christ. I had you imagine holding the finger of Jesus and having a close conversation. Guess what? That's going to happen. How do we know that it's going to be Jesus? Keep your finger right here, and I want you to go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and I want you to see this verse. John chapter 5, look at verse 22. In John chapter 5, look what the Scripture tells us. Look at the authority that the Father gives Jesus. Here is the fact. It's a sobering fact. It's a serious fact. But John chapter 5 verse 22 says, For the Father judges no one. Wow, why does the Father judge no one? Look what it goes on to say in verse 22. But God has committed all judgment to the Son. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. There is a moment that is coming. And you as a Christ follower, you are going to stand before Jesus. It's not an issue of salvation. The issue is that salvation is a settled issue. When Jesus' death and his resurrection, your salvation is a settled issue. You're not standing there before him, scared to death. Am I going to be condemned of my sins? No, you have been completely forgiven. You have been set free from those sins. But you will stand in judgment what you did and what you did not do. 
How do I know that? Turn back to 1 Corinthians and look at verse 10. Notice the seriousness of this moment. In the seriousness of this moment, here's the invitation. It's not too late. The devil's going to lie to you, and the devil's going to say, it's too late for you. Look at all your regrets. The devil's going to lie to you. Look at all the people you've slept with in the last year. The devil's going to lie to you and say, look at all the drugs. The devil's going to lie to you. Don't believe the lie of the devil, but believe the truth of God. He will set you free, and he's got something for you to do. Amen. But look at me. Well, look at Abraham, look at Moses, look at Gideon. Don't ever say it's too late. Here in a moment, when we give the invitation time, quit saying it's too late and say today's the day. Why is that the case? Here we go, verse 10. For we must all appear for the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us may receive the things done in the body. According to what he has done, whether good or bad. At that moment, as we're before the Lord, we're either going to be rebuked for those things that we were supposed to do or we're going to be rewarded. How's that going to happen? Well, turn over to 1 Corinthians. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look how the Apostle Paul has already addressed this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's begin in verse number 11. I want you to see this. Every single thing that we have been done before the Lord, it is going to be tested. Everything that we've been done. First Baptist family, according to the Scripture, I've got some hay and stubble that it's going to burn. I, I, I did some things with the axe handle in my life. Instead of axe head. And I think that includes you also. Look at this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver, precious stones, wood, hay and straw. Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If any work which was, has, has been built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If any work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Can you see the seriousness of this moment that we're going to stand before Jesus and we're going to be rewarded for what we have done or we're going to be rebuked for what we didn't do? We're not going to be standing in front of Judge Nebuchadnezzar. We're not going to be standing in front of Judge Pilate. We're not going to be standing in front of some earthly judge. Can I tell you one of my most embarrassing moments of my life? I mean, one of the worst moments of my life. I mean, it was during the time that 
Amy was in the hospital with Emily. It was so difficult a time. It was so stressful. You know, uh, Amy about stepped into eternity. Emily about stepped into eternity. There was so much going on in life that, that on my car, I forgot to renew my tags. I mean, life was just coming so fast that, Doug, I just forgot to renew my tags. And here I am, a pastor of a church, and, and I, I went down to the hospital. I saw all these people in the hospital, some tough stuff. I leave the hospital, and before I could get back to church, about a mile before church, you have to go through a school zone. It's the elementary school, the middle school, the high school. I mean, I... I am at home. I mean, it's where I went to elementary school. It's where I went to middle school. It's where I went to high school. I mean, basically everybody in our little community, they all know Pastor Eric. Man, I I got all this going on with Amy and Emily. I didn't get my tags renewed. I'm leaving the hospital. I'm just moseying my way back. Well, maybe a little bit faster than moseying my way back to church to get to something. And I, I just did not pay attention to the yellow lights that were flashing. That was a school zone. I get halfway through that school zone, and here comes the blue lights. So I pull over. I sit in my car. I mean, it is time. They are letting everybody out for school. So you got all the people in the middle of the street, you know, doing their thing, waving that thing. Here is Pastor Eric pulled over on the side of the road. Then the next thing I know, they bring another cop car in. Then they bring another one in that wedge me in that I can't go anywhere. They come knock on my window and they say, sir, please get out of the car. I mean, here is half of our town out, and here is the pastor. Well, then they say, sir, what we want you to do, go and put your arms up over the police car and spread your legs, please, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir. So here I am, all boxed in by these police cars, Here I am, all these school buses, all of these school teachers that we know, all of these, and they're going by honking at me, waving at me. And here I am, my arms are across the car going. I mean, they just made me stand there. Don't move, sir. Yes, sir. And I stood there, and I stood there. And I stood there. I think they made me to stand the entire time until every child was out of all three schools. <laughs> well, because of that day, I had to go see the judge. Mm-hmm. Your pastor. Had to go see the judge. I sit in the courtroom. They call my name. Sir. You know, the judge is all there. It was kind of nice. I, I knew the judge. So, and he said, will you promise me you won't do that again? Yes, sir. Have a good day. I walked out. There's going to be a moment.
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. I, I don't want to spend my life being an axe handle all about me. I don't want to spend my life Chipping the bark away. Look at the next verse. Look at verse number 11. Number one, we got the fact of this manner is going to happen. Verse 11, just right next to it, I put fear. My second word I put down was fear. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord... Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Why are we doing this at 4 o'clock today? Why do I not want you on the golf course at 4 o'clock? Why do I not want you uh, drinking a Coke on your couch at 4? Because you know what? God has called us to go on the highways and the byways and persuade them. Can I tell you a great fear that comes in me? There's going to be another judgment. And I want you to see this. Turn to Revelation chapter 20. There's another judgment that's coming. Revelation chapter 20. I'm going to begin in verse 11. Will you see the seriousness of this moment? Your son or daughter that's lost, and if they die without Christ, this is where it happens. Your next-door neighbor, the person that works in the office across from yours, if they die without Jesus, listen what happens. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Are you, are you with me? Please don't miss the seriousness of this moment. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. You and I will not stand before the great white throne. The great white throne judgment is for everybody that rejected Jesus, everybody that rejected the door. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. There was nowhere they could hide. There was no cubbyhole that they could disappear. Look at verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great. It doesn't matter how insignificant they thought they were. They, they might have been the hermit that nobody knows, or they might have been the greatest world leader. It doesn't matter how small or how big. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were open. That books that were open, that word there is in the plural, is talking about the books. God is keeping a scoreboard. God is keeping a single record of every single thing that is done. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were open in another book. Singular was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. 
So here's what's going to happen. Your, your neighbor, our children that don't know Christ, they're going to stand before Jesus, who is God has given him the authority in John chapter 5 to be that judge. And Jesus is going to stand there. When the book is open and their name's not in the book, then the books will be open and then they will be judged according to the books. Look at verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades deliver up the dead who were in them, and that were judged, each one according to his own works. Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone, mark that word, anyone, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. First Baptist, do we literally believe anybody that's not written down in the book of life, will they spend all of eternity in hell separated from God? Yes or no? So why do we want to come with an axe handle about our education? Why do we want to come with just our personality? Why do we want to come to a lost and dying world with an axe handle? Why do we want to stand before God one day? Saved, but stand with an axe handle. Here's our three choices. Write these three choices down, and I promise y'all I'm almost done. Here's our three choices. Number one, you can quit. And just say, you know what? I just quit. You know what we have a saying in our home, stitch don't quit. First Baptist, we're going to say, first Baptist doesn't quit. We don't quit because we want to glorify God. We don't quit because of the souls of the people in our community that's lost. We don't quit. Here's your options. You can quit. Second option, you can fake it. You can go out there and say, you know what? I'm going to chop these trees down. I don't want anybody to know. You know what? I'm not really living in the power of God. But, man, I'm going to look like I'm working hard. I'm going to pretend like I got it. Have you ever come to church and, quite frankly, you're just lukewarm. You're going through the motions, and you're just pretending. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I thought, man, I can't wait to get out of this place. How many are you're just, man, I got it, and you're just making it? Or you can do this. Here's our third option. Because one day you're going to stand before Jesus and what you've done and what you haven't done. The third option, you say, Lord, I want it back. Lord, I don't want to be an axe handle. Knock a little bark off. God, I want the power of God to rest upon me. I don't want to live my life apart from the Lord. Lord, I want you. What do we do? How do we go from axe handle? Number one, write this thing down. Write this down. We cry out to God. We cry out to God. 
Lord, I'm lukewarm, and I want to be hot for Jesus. Lord, I don't want to be an axe handle. God, I want the power of the living gospel to live and breathe, go through me. It's not too late. In just a moment when we stand and we start to see it's not too late. The devil's going to lie to you. Don't believe the devil. The devil's going to give you all kinds of excuses not to be hot for Jesus. Don't believe the devil. But instead, cry out, Jesus, I want to be hot for you. I don't want to. Some of you need to come up and say, man, I'm going to quit chipping bark away. Some of you, I mean, the moment you stand up, we stand, you need to start walking this way and say, you know what? I've been faking it long enough. Second thing I'll put, go back where you lost. Then that remind us of uh, Revelation chapter 2, the church of Ephesus. They left their first love, and you went and you told them, I want you to go and remember and go back and go back to where you were. In just a moment, we're going to stand. Some of you need to come back and you need to come back and say, God, this is where I lost. The third thing is so simple reach out and take what God's offering you. Here's your options. We can just be a handle in what we can do. Where we can live a life of brokenness and experience the power of God. Will you turn back to Revelation, I mean, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read this text one more time, then I'm going to pray, and I'm done. Mm. Here's what I want you to do. Turn back there. This is a serious moment. You're focused completely on what the Lord says. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known to your conscience. Dear Heavenly Father, may we embrace this. Lord, may we realize we cannot go down the next aisle and avoid this. There's no cubby hole that we can hide in. But Lord, one day, each and every one of us, we will give an account for what good 
and the assignment that you gave us or not. Lord, I pray the seriousness of this moment will rest. And Lord, may each person in this room know it's not too late. God, I pray that we'll do what the Apostle Paul says. This one thing I must do, putting what lays behind me and I press forward. God, may we press forward to the higher calling of Christ. Lord, I pray that we'll be honest and real before you this morning. God, there's so many in this room might just have an axe handle. God, I pray that they'll know this is the day to say it's not too late. Lord, I pray that they'll stop pretending. I pray that they won't quit. But God, I pray that they'll cry out to you. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, have complete freedom in this invitation. And God, may all of us realize this is our moment. And God, may we not miss it. In Christ's name, amen.